0: What is a chicken's favorite subject in school?
1: Egonomics. Welcome back donuts. Welcome to another episode of Frag dough, your weekly fix of true crime. I'm your girl, Gina, and on every episode, I always want to remind listeners that the stories that I cover on this podcast may be difficult to hear. However, It is very important to shine a light on these cases and remember the victims who were affected. I actually cracked up at that joke in the beginning because I like little corny stuff like that. And the young person who delivered that very funny joke, unfortunately, is the subject of this episode today. So let's get on with this episode. Bianca Bevins was a 17-year-old social media influencer who tragically lost her life in July 2019. The case gained widespread attention due to the graphic nature of the incident and the subsequent sharing of the distressing images on various online platforms. The details of the case unfolded on social media, sparking discussions about online behavior, mental illness, and the impact of such incidents on the public. This is Frank Doe, True Crime Podcast, and this is Snapshots of Sorrow, the Bianca Bevins murder. Bianca was the oldest of three children to Michael and Kimberly Williams Bevins born on October 2, 2001 in New Hartford, Connecticut. She was an aspiring model, talented artist, and she enjoyed playing the ukulele. Bianca was a member of the church of Our Lady of Lourdes and had a great love for animals, especially her cat. She graduated from Proctor High School on June 28, 2019. She was going to continue her education to pursue her future career to help adolescents who struggled with mental illness in Mohawk Valley Community College in Utica that very fall. She herself struggled with mental illness, especially depression, anxiety, borderline personality disorder, and PTSD. She had been in and out of hospitals receiving mental treatment for much of her teen years. Having experienced feeling of isolation, she found refuge in online communities. Now, according to the Post Standard newspaper, Bianca, she had to deal with a lot of online harassment by incels for at least two years. And Google says that an incel is a member of an online community of men who consider themselves unable to attract women sexually, typically associated with views that are hostile towards women and men who are sexually active. Basically they're boys who need to get laid and they can't and they're mad at everybody who is getting laid. So now that takes us to Brandon Andrew Clark. Brandon was born October 6, 1997. He once witnessed his father holding his mother at Knife Point for several hours. It is to believe that Brandon Clark and Bianca Bevins, they met on Instagram in April 2019 after he started following her on social media on the social media platform. When meeting Brandon, Bianca's mother said he seemed very nice and very polite. Later police described their relationship as a personally intimate one, but friends and family claimed otherwise. Bianca told her mother that if she explained to Brandon that she did not want to date him, but Bianca's mother thought that he still wanted more. One of Bianca's sisters called Brandon a trusted family friend, but a friend of Bianca feared that he was exploiting Bianca's sexuality while the two were high. Reportedly, Brandon would supply drugs to Bianca to entice her to spend time with him. On July 13, 2019, Bianca, Brandon, and a mutual friend named Alex attended a performance by Canadian singer Nicole Dollingager in New York City. Following the show, Bianca and Brandon returned to Utica. The two engaged in an argument, likely regarding the kiss between Bianca and Alex. Bianca then fell asleep in the car and Brandon set up the camera to record. He got out of the car and he retrieved a knife from the trunk and he placed it next to him in his seat. Eventually, Brandon began assaulting Bianca, slicing her neck with the knife that he held hidden by his side in the seat. Bianca Bevins died in the early morning hours of July 14th. Her body, nearly decapitated, was left in the car as Brandon Clark built a bonfire and listened to the song, Test Drive by Joe G, J-O-J-I. After Bianca's murder, Brandon called numerous family members. Brandon I hope I would
2: be able to reach you, but I guess I'm not able to. So uh, I know this is gonna come as kind of a surprise at least to you, it isn't to me, but uh, I, uh, I killed someone today. I killed my, uh, my girlfriend.
3: Well, she's supposed to be my
1: girlfriend. His call resembled a suicide note prompting his family to call 911. He posted photographs of Bianca's body to Discord, and Discord is an instant messaging. I never heard of it, but that's what it is. With the caption, sorry fuckers, you're gonna have to find someone else to orbit, and orbit is an act of following a person online. A video of the murder was also created, and by 7 a.m., a Discord user had notified the police, who received numerous calls, including one from Brandon himself.
0: Okay,
4: what's your name? Uh,
5: my name is Brandon. Um, the victim is Bianca Michelle Devins.
4: Yeah,
2: what are you wearing? It doesn't matter. Okay, well,
1: I I just want to talk to you, okay?
5: Yeah, I know you want to talk yeah, I know how your job works. You have to keep me on
1: the line, but it's not happening, okay? Just in case you didn't hear it, he said, my name is Brandon. The victim is Bianca Michelle Bevins. I'm not gonna stay on the phone for long because I still need to do the suicide part of this murder suicide. That's just complete bullshit. Upon the arrival of the law enforcement, Brandon was stabbing himself in the neck. He laid across a green tarp concealing Bianca's body and posted more photos online and a suicide note and message were found. The message read, you would never forget me. The next day, police confirmed that the victim was indeed Bianca Michelle Bevins and charged Brandon Andrew Clark with second-degree murder. Authorities reported the possibility that he had planned the murder because Brandon had a knife and equipment to videotape the murder. Police Sergeant Michael Curley believed Brandon Clark desired fame. Oneida County Assistant District Attorney Sarah DeMillery stated that Brandon Clark gave various explanations for the killing to multiple people. He had made an online search on how to find the carotid artery, how to decapitate or kill someone, and general searches for choking and hanging. Images of Bianca's corpse became widely shared on social media such as Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. They gained much traction on the website 4Chain, with hundreds of posts praising Brandon for committing another 4Chain murder. Users on incel.co and 8chan were also celebratory. See, that's what I'm talking about. Just men who need to get laid. RIP Bianca briefly trended on Twitter, People were promised to post images of her body in exchange for likes and follows. A few illegitimate fundraiser websites sprung up to capitalize on her name and death. Oh my God. Criminal justice Jane Densley said that the images could cause trauma to those who viewed them. So don't go looking for them guys. Her stepfather, who suffered most harassment, reported having flashbacks, and her sister said that she saw the images in her mind before she went to sleep every night. Bianca's mother says, so many people have been affected by these pictures, scarred for life and suffering from PTSD, unable to erase the images from their mind. And no, I have not seen them, nor am I going to look for them. Nicole Dollenganger asked people, to stop sharing the photo. Remember, Nicole, the last concert that Bianca went to? Instagram and Facebook removed Brandon's account in the attempt to stop the photos from spreading. Facebook added images of the murder to the digital fingerprint database and blacklisted the hashtag #YesJuliet. The Discord servers that Brandon utilized was shut down. Users who attempted to report the photos on Instagram found that they were not considered violation to the community guidelines. Instagram's response was met with a lot of criticism. The Discord server that Brandon utilized was shut down. It was reported that some images stayed on Instagram for as long as four days. Bianca's mother claimed that that by September, the images could still be found on Facebook. Prosecutors in the trial said that the images could still be found months later. Bianca's sister reported that nearly two years later, the photos were still being sent to her. That is so cruel.
3: if you could please just identify yourself before you start.
4: I am Olivia Devins. I am Bianca Devins' sister. Me and my sister, along with our best friend Gianna, grew up having the childhood everyone dreams of. We had imaginations that ran wild, (laughs) make-believe games, where we'd be whoever we'd want to be that day, dollhouses where our Barbies would live, and always cats. Of course, Bianca was older than me by two years, so by the time she was 12 and I was 10, she no longer was interested in Barbies and playing wizards. As we grew up, she had gotten into reading and drawing. I was amazed at what she would create using pen and paper, and the amount of books she would read in one week left me in awe. I recall going to the bookstore with her so many times, it's like it was a second home. This one memory in particular sticks with me to this day as if I had just lived it. Bianca and I opened the doors to Barnes and Nobles with infinite possibilities. Bianca walked through the bookstore knowing exactly where she needed to go, I following right behind. After reading many book covers, she had chosen her next novel even though she was only 12. Of course, I was only 10, so I most definitely did not want to be reading teen fiction. I bought a how to draw anime figures book because I so desperately want to learn how she did it, and I wanted to do it with her. I wanted her to teach me. We bought our books, and of course, had a good hour to teach from Starbucks, then I headed home. I opened that book up as soon as we arrived, attempted, realized I was nowhere near as talented as my older sister was, and then closed the book. I thought to myself, we have our whole lives for her to teach me, and I never learned I was wrong. Fast forward about four years, when I was the age of 14 and Bianca was 16. She struggled with mental mental illness since a very young age. I was just not aware until she started getting admitted into psychiatric hospitals. I then realized she was not happy with her life due to mental illnesses she was diagnosed with. I was scared for her as any person would be knowing that someone so close to them was going through one of the hardest challenges to face. A challenge that the person themselves cannot even justify or begin to know how to get better. A challenge which makes them wonder if life is even worth living. I was afraid I was going to lose my sister and the thought haunted me constantly. However, my mother, Kim Devins, did not give up. She went to hell and back in order to make sure her daughter would be okay all while raising me to be the strong young woman I am today. After years of different therapists, a placement in a treatment center, and a lot of strength, Bianca had made it. I didn't have to fear losing my sister, and best friend. Things were going to be okay, I thought. June of 2019, my sister was a high school graduate. She got accepted into college, and she saw herself living. She saw the bright future for herself that we all so desperately were trying to show her. Bianca has always had online friends. I never really got into the whole online situation, so I'd usually meet her when she would be talking to them. The same time frame where she finally saw herself making it past 18 years old, she started bringing someone around. He's with us today in handcuffs. Around the last two months I was able to be with my sister, I mainly hung around her, so I tag along with the two of them on multiple occasions. July 14th, 2019, a date I will never forget, but a day my mind won't allow me to remember. I opened my front door at 7 a.m. after being woken up by repeated knocking, not at all expecting to see men in uniform. They ask me, are you Bianca Devins? I reply with no, and I hastily run up the stairs to wake up my mom. I couldn't tell you what happened in the next three hours, but by the time it was 10 a.m., as I'm standing in my kitchen while police officers are with my mom in the living room, I hear on the radio, a girl was found with a little black book bag. I automatically knew it was my sister. I don't remember the rest of the day. The next few weeks go by and it felt like I was in a nightmare, except I was in my worst nightmare. And no matter how hard I try to wake up, I, to this day, cannot. Months pass and I'm still not process- processing it, trying so hard to do anything that will keep my mind off the fact that my sister is gone. Distractions are only temporary though, so when reality set in, that is when I realize this is no longer a nightmare. This is my life. The first few months I couldn't bring myself to think about it. When I finally started to process my reality, crying began. In tears caused by grief are not normal tears. It is a sensation that consumes you. It consumes you to the point where it feels as though someone is stepping on your chest and pulling <laughs> and on your throat. I got to a point when I was scared to cry because I was absolutely terrified that the next time I did, I would be stuck in that horrific state of grief. Then as time went on, the long-term effects of trauma sunk in. Last year, I used to have social media, and one day I opened up my Instagram just as any 16-year-old does, except I was traumatized. Many random people set their profile pictures as my sister's death photo. And went on my page knowing I would without a doubt see it. I threw my phone down and froze. When I could finally move, I told my family member Kaylee what I had just seen, and she, every single day, had to go on all my accounts to make sure I would never see it again. It did not stop at one. The picture, to this day, continues to be sent to me, but I now have all my social media accounts deleted. Bianca, our best friend Gianna, and I had so many plans for our future together. Ever since I could remember, we were dreaming of traveling to California. As we grew older, that dream turned into a goal. We were going to go to California together. We were going to make memories. Now memories is all I have to remember my sister. Close your eyes as if you're about to fall asleep. What do you see? Maybe you see nothing. Maybe you're just thinking about the day you had or the day you'll be having tomorrow. I, on the other hand, see the horrific photo of Bianca. I think about what happened to my sister. These thoughts pop into my mind when I simply am in silence for too long and at the end of the day, there's nothing I can do to make them go away but try to distract myself. This is something I know I will have to live with for the rest of my life. The only thing I can do is to learn to healthily cope I cannot go to a childhood park of mine because that is one of the last locations I went to with my sister in her murder, (laughs) along with other various locations. I am terrifying and vivid nightmares whenever I sleep alone in my room, (laughs) which is about every night. I have to go through life knowing my mother and the rest of my entire family is feeling the same unexplainable pain I am I have to live in fear whenever I'm out in public places because what if someone decides to hurt me and my family? I will never be able to bring myself to meet anyone new because what if they have ulterior motives? I have to live the rest of my life knowing that I had to say goodbye to my sister in a funeral home, and I don't even know if she heard me. I I am now 17 years old. My life has just
1: begun, but this is when Yemkas was taken. On July 29, 2019, this piece of shit Brandon Clark pled not guilty to second-degree murder after a correctional officer found a shiv constructed out of a sharpened toothbrush in his cell and was charged with promoting prison contraband. Around this time, according to Bianca's mother, he composed a letter to his friend bragging about how it feels like to kill someone. This letter reportedly explained his motive, saying, quote, he couldn't handle the thought of her walking out of his life. On February 10, 2020, before his trial, Clark changed his plea to guilty. His sentencing was scheduled April 7th, 2020, but was delayed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. On June 2nd, 2020, he filed a notice to withdraw his guilty plea, claiming that his lawyer had failed him. Of course, blame it on a lawyer, it's his fault. You wouldn't even be in this mess if it wasn't for your lawyer. <laughs> Narcissists always blame somebody else for the shit that they do. They don't do nothing wrong. Mm. Our Next to speak is Kim Devins, uh, Beyond your
3: Mother. <laughs>
0: There are no words that can adequately convey the enormous pain and loss that Bianca's family and friends endure every day since losing our precious angel. Bianca Michelle Devins was a daughter, sister, granddaughter, niece, cousin, and friend. She was an aspiring model and a talented artist. Bianca had goals and aspirations. She was planning to be a psychologist to help adolescents with mental health issues. Bianca's beauty radiated from the inside out I can tell countless stories of Bianca's kindness and compassion towards people of all walks of life. How she helped so many young people who were struggling or made a peer feel welcome by her kind words and actions. Bianca brought joy to all those that knew her. Bianca was born just a few weeks before my 18th birthday. My entire adult life, I have been Bianca's mom. Without her, I don't know who I am. On July 14, 2019, life as I knew it ended. My daughter's life was violently cut short. Bianca was not only my daughter, but my best friend. I used to say that no matter what life throws at me, as long as I have my children and they are happy and healthy, I will be okay. I no longer have that sense of security. Bianca, her sister Olivia, and I did everything together. We were always a team. Olivia and I had lost our irreplaceable teammate. In everything we do, there was always a sense of something missing. Bianca should be with us. With the death of your child comes the most unimaginable, indescribable pain. A pain that time cannot heal and only seems to worsen. Life without Bianca will never be the same. Our family will never again be complete. Olivia, Madison, Dustin, Jordan, and Dakota no longer have their big sister and protect, them to get, protect her to guide them through life. Bianca will not experience the joy of watching her siblings go up and growing alongside them. There are no more trips to the park and swinging with Bianca. No more late night talks and big sister advice. No more car rides laughing as Bianca sings at the top of her lungs. All these joys and more have been stolen from us. Worst of all, there are no more hugs, kisses, and I love yous and sweet sounds of Bianca's voice. I'm now left to have to answer questions from Bianca's younger siblings that I don't have the answer to. Why didn't Bianca come home? told us she would see us tomorrow. When is Bibi coming home? Bianca struggled with mental illness. During her darkest times, I would often tell Bianca that if she couldn't find a reason to fight, or a reason to live, to think of me, just hang on and live for me, I promised I would do whatever I could to make things better. And Bianca promised she would never leave me because she knew what her death would do to me, that I couldn't live without her. And she kept her promise until she was stolen from me. And it is to post on Mother's Day, 2019, Bianca wrote to her stepmother and I. When I'm feeling down, I think of how special I am to have you all. Well. I hope I can make both of you proud. I'm doing my best for both of you because I love you too. Even when I'm off at college, I'll be with you every day of my life. With eight months of not being home, we've grown stronger than ever as a family. I love you guys so much and happy Mother's Day. I am now living my worst nightmare every day as I struggled to live life without my firstborn. Bianca fought for several years seeking help for borderline personality disorder, anxiety, and depression. By the spring of 2019, Bianca had made incredible progress and was happy and healthy. She graduated high school just two weeks before her death and was planning to start college. Bianca had a bright future ahead of her as a psychologist. She wanted to use her struggles to help others and save lives. Brandon Clark has shown that he has no regard for human life. He stole my daughter's life from her and his family for his own selfish reasons that I will never understand. The morning of July 14th, Bianca just wanted to go home to her family where she would be safe. Without regard for anything other than his own selfish wants, Brandon violently stabbed Bianca and then exploited his de- her death and flaunted his crime by recording it and posting graphic pictures of Bianca's lifeless body on the internet which set off a firestorm of posts and shares of the pictures. For almost two years now, Bianca's family and friends have been tortured by having to see pictures of a beautiful girl with her neck open. So many people have been affected by these pictures, scarred for life and suffering from PTSD, unable to erase the images from their mind. I am haunted every day by the images of my precious daughter being murdered. Many of Bianca's friends learned of her passing by seeing a photo of her dead body. No one should have to see their loved one in such a state. In the months after Bianca's death, I have received messages from around the world from people that have been affected by Bianca's Bianca's death and the graphic photos of her that Brandon posted. I live in fear every day that the youngest siblings will one day discover their big sister's death photo that is on the internet because of Brandon. Brandon meticulously planned Bianca's murder for weeks. He attacked her unprovoked, Bianca didn't even have time to defend herself. He posted on social media and made phone calls to family and friends instead of getting Bianca life-saving help. While in jail awaiting trial, Brandon wrote a letter to a friend and stated that he murdered Bianca because he couldn't handle the thought of her walking out of his life. He bragged about murdering my child by writing a transcript of the murder video with personal notes about what it was like to take a life. Brandon continue to put my family through more trauma when emotion to withdraw his guilty plea. He played games with the court in my family's lives, dragging out our pain longer than necessary. He clearly shows no remorse for his crime. Bianca's family will never have closure regarding Bianca's death. There will always be an emptiness inside of us
1: and at gatherings
0: where Bianca should be in attendance. However, we see closure in regards to the crime that took our beautiful angel from us they respectfully asking the court intervention of the parole board to make sure that Brandon Clark remains in prison for the rest of his life, so that he cannot harm anyone else and inflict this horrific pain on any other family.
1: Luckily, it was denied because he actually admitted his guilt.
2: I plead guilty, Your Honor. I would like to apologize to the family and friends of Bianca for how long that this has dragged on for. I'm sure that they just want this to be over. It's never been my intention to deny my guilt in the events of July 14th. And this day should have come a lot sooner. My attorney was adamant that I really consider what I would be doing today and what it meant. And I have thought about it. Every day since July 14th, I've thought about it. I've thought about the terrible things I did that day, things that the word tragedy, really isn't enough for i thought about the lives I've torn apart with my actions. And I've thought about Bianca and how she didn't deserve what happened to her. And I think that I need to realize that what I, what I did, I can't undo as much as I want to. And I need to face it. And I apologize to all the people that knew and loved her I apologize to everybody affected by this. To everybody who had to see that horrific picture of her. I know that sorry is not enough. I know that I won't take back what I did. And I wish I had more to give. I wish I had more to give.
1: Oh. Um. Oh, my God. Are we going to talk about his voice? Or should we talk about this 20-year-old with a comb-over? He should have just been happy being in the company of Bianca. Or any female, for that matter. You are a 20-year-old with a comb-over? Really? Just go bald, dude, for real. A comb-over. Kimberly Devins, Bianca's mother, has since worked with politicians to advocate for social media reforms, specifically as it relates to posting of graphic images like the ones of her daughter. On September 21, 2020, the Devins family introduced Bianca's Law, if passed, all social media platforms with more than $10 million in revenue and over 100,000 monthly subscribers would be required to establish an office dedicated to identify and remove violent content that violates the platform moderation standards. On September 30th, he had his hearing. We were here in the city of
3: and in intent to cause the death of the we did cause the death.
2: Of the Is that a true statement, Mr. Clark? Yes, Your
3: Honor. And Mr. Clark, anything that you want to say to the court or the Devons family before you're sentenced? Yes, I would like to make a statement. Okay.
5: Um, for almost two years now, I've, uh, I've said myself and I've wondered what I'm going to say when it finally comes time for me. To speak to the people that I've heard. And, uh, it's never been enough. It's never been adequate. I felt to really convey my emotions and to apologize. How do you meaningfully apologize for doing something so horrible and so irreversible? That's the worst part is that I can't take it back. I want to. I wish I could. I will give my life in a heartbeat to Bianca if I could. And I can't. Every day I wake up and I wonder how she would have spent that day if she were still here. Every day I wish that I could do more than just wonder. And I hate myself for what I did to her. I don't know why. I don't understand how I could do something like that. I don't even know who I was that day. And it just, disgusts me. I remember when I first met Bianca, how much I adored her and how much I just wanted to spend time with her and for that adoration to turn into something so evil and it's like a nightmare. Every day I wish I could wake up and just have it not be real, have it not be me. I look in the mirror and I see the scar on my neck and I see the freaking jumpsuit and I just think it can't be me, it can't be. That's not the person I am. I just I just don't even know who I am, you know. I have to live with the guilt and the shame that because of me, because of my actions, Bianca isn't here. And she didn't deserve that. I I can't even fathom, I can't even fathom the pain that the people who loved her feel because of me. I know she was a daughter and a sister and a friend and to have her taken in such a, a horrible manner, to have the photos that I don't even know why I took circulating still to this day. I hate myself for what I did. I'm so sorry that I put everyone through this. I'm so sorry that I put Bianca through this. I, I wish I could apologize or just apologize. and apologize. And just take it back, but I know it means nothing. Apologies. I know that it doesn't bring her back and it doesn't undo what I did. But I just want everyone to know that I really do feel so terrible about what I did. I'm so
3: sorry for it. So sorry. Can I ask you a question, Mr. Clark? Yes, sir. This criminal case has lasted much longer than anybody anticipated because of the pandemic. And this is the Brandon Clark that we saw in the beginning when you originally pled guilty. But it was confusing to see during the hearing when you tried to take back your plea that you wanted to blame your attorneys. You wanted to have a jury trial. Now we seem to be back to the Brandon Clark that entered the plea of guilty. That seems confusing. What happened in the interim that motivated that action?
5: Your Honor, I mean, I've always felt terrible what I did ever since the first day, you know, even after I did that, I cut my own throats because of how terrible I felt I really should, I, I, this is just my opinion, but I feel like I need to get out there with the, the mental health. And I felt like I wasn't, my mental health wasn't properly reviewed. I have a history of mental health, and I feel like just accepting the maximum, I felt like I was doing myself a disservice that maybe maybe I could get real help.
3: what so was confusing to everyone. You were more worried about yourself than being you. You understand that if, and that's a big if, but if any members of that family are ever going to be able to forgive you, you need to take complete responsibility. I do, hear him. and
5: I am—I am the reason why God is not here. I assume responsibility for that. Anything else? That would be all,
3: October when we held that hearing, so uh, there's nothing more I can say. Uh, It will be the sentence of this court adds to the defendant's conviction for murder in the second degree. He will be sentenced to an indeterminate sentence of imprisonment and shall have a minimum term of 25 years and a maximum term of life imprisonment. In addition to that, the court will impose a mandatory $325 state surcharge and $50 DNA surcharge. The record should also reflect that on the date of February 10th of 2020 when Mr. Clark entered his plea of guilty. He also waived his right to appeal this conviction and sentence. Uh, A copy of that waiver of appeal will be given to Mr. Clark this morning. And I am not going to repeat those rules. And on March 16,
1: 2021, Brandon Andrew Clark was sentenced to 25 years to life and would never be able to appeal this decision. He has formally expressed remorse for his actions when speaking to the judge, Brandon Andrew Clark said Bianca Bevins did not deserve what happened to her. He said, I think I need to realize what I did. I can't undo it as much as I want to, I have to face it. A vigil for Bianca was held July 15, 2019, and the funeral was held three days later on Friday at 1 p.m. on July 19, 2019, at the Church of Our Lady of Lourdes in Utica. A week-long counseling session were offered to the Thomas R. Proctor High School students. The Adirondack Bank Center at the Utica Memorial Auditorium was lit up in honor of Bianca and her family. On February 14, 2020, a fashion and art show called the Bee Gala to celebrate her life and showcase her artwork that she made and to raise funds for the scholarship. That the family started in Bianca's name for students pursuing degrees in psychology. In July 2020, another vigil was held in July 2021. The Bevins family sued the Oneida County District Attorney's Office, accusing them of distribution of child pornography. They had learned that the producers of the documentary on the murder that they had received from the District Attorney's Office footage of Bianca Bevins' death and her having sex, as well as the content of their phone, which included nude photos. And I haven't seen an update about this, but in July, 2022, the New York State Assembly passed a version of Bianca's law, which criminalizes posting, sharing, or publishing personal images with intent to degrade or abuse under certain circumstances. And I'm just gonna assume that's why we have that privacy content on Facebook now, so yeah. Bianca Bevins is buried in Forest Hill Cemetery in Utica, Oneida County, New York she was welcomed into heaven by her beloved cat bella i wanted to make sure i put that in there because it was on her find a grave page which i'm gonna have linked in the show notes so we all can sign her find a grave page oh and before i forget skinned s-k-y-n-d the band who creates true crime songs they made a song about this case and i kind of like it i would suggest you know about the case first and then look it up on on youtube because if you don't do that you really don't know what they're saying everything that they're saying in the song it has something pertaining to the case i haven't heard a song from them yet that they're making up stuff and creating things because they're really not and then y'all know the saying if you have a sick hook and a beat then you got some sort of a hit, and that's what it is. I, know, I don't judge a book by its cover. I kind of like it. It's no, no different than what I do here. So, hey, don't judge a book by its cover. I like it. The conclusion of the Bianca Bevins case had left a lasting imprint of discussion surrounding the intersection of social media, mental health, and the real-world consequences. The tragedy serves as a stark reminder of the challenges posed by the digital age and the potential for harm in online spaces. Beyond the legal proceedings, the case has sparked important conversation about responsibility online behavior, the impact of graphic content, and the need for increased awareness around mental health issues. Bianca Bevin's story had become a symbol of the broader complexities in navigating the virtual world, prompting individuals and communities to reevaluate the dynamic of online intersection. As we reflect on this case, it underscores in the importance of cultivating a compassionate and supportive online environment, fostering open dialogue about mental health, and prompting responsibility use of social media platforms. In remembering Bianca Bevins, we are reminded of the collective responsibility to create a safer and more empathetic digital landscape for everyone. Today on our Missing segment, we have Michelle Arnold, Shell for short michelle was born january 5th 2000 she's 23 years old she's a black female she's 5'5 150 pounds black hair braids and brown eyes she wears glasses she was last seen in banbury apartments in warrensville heights ohio on october 26 2023 michelle is a type 1 diabetic she requires insulin and she wears an insulin pump last seen wearing black balenciago sneakers with a b on them anyone have any information regarding the whereabouts of michelle arnold shell for short please contact warrensville heights police lieutenant johnson or sergeant thompson at 216-587-6500 let's help bring michelle home to her family If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button so you will never miss an episode. If you have any insight on this case or any other case that I've covered, or if you have any case suggestions, you can stay connected with the podcast on Instagram, Twitter, or you can just go into the show notes, leave a voicemail, and that voicemail might show up on the next episode. Also, before you go, please help support the podcast by sharing it with your friends, sharing it on social media, or you can just simply leave a positive review on what platform you're listening to me on right now that helps the podcast grow if this is your first time listening I want to thank you and remind you don't go before you hit that subscribe button and that bell, so you'll get every episode when it's released so until next time donuts please stay safe stay vigilant and always 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 trust your instincts
4: Before the cooldowns run out, I'll be giving it my bestest,
1: and nothing's gonna stop me but divine intervention. I reckon it's against my turn to win some or learn some,
4: that I.